0: and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lip. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House.
1: Ah! I love the poorly
0: educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people.
2: I don't know where you guys are right now, but I'm thinking throughout most of the country, it is fucking <laughs> hot.
3: <laughs> Why is it so oh, hot? It's hot. It's, it's hot so in here. It's hot, hot. everywhere. <laughs> global warming yes that's exactly what it is it's
1: real yeah it's not real it's just snowflakes (laughs) guilty (laughs)
2: Uh, welcome back guys uh, Barstool Politics. I'm your host, Sick McGuire, uh, joined as always by Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College, and we have our resident super guest, Dr. Suzanne Chaud from North Central College.
3: Hello, hey, Suzanne. thanks for having me back. Thanks for joining us. It's hot, but I'll, yes. I'll I'll do anything for you guys. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's good. <laughs> this is it's
2: it's going to get spicy and hot mm-hmm. when we talk about all of all of the fun different things. But before before we get into that, I can't talk. it. so let's do (laughs) Um, shameless plugs. Uh, If you like the podcast, want to share the podcast, have suggestions, questions you want us to talk about, uh, follow us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul P.O.L. Beers that we try. You can find on the untapped app on iOS and Android, the podcast you can find on SoundCloud and Stitcher and Google Play Music and most major podcasting platforms. Find us on iTunes, uh, just Barstool Politics. Review us and share us and like us on there. That helps a lot. Uh, and then tell your smart speaker to play Barstool Politics podcast because it apparently can do that. It is, it's amazing. Is it? It's, it's so real. much fun. They're yep. tracking us. Yeah.
3: That's pretty cool. <laughs> you guys are hit the big time. Yes. Apparently, Alexa <laughs> likes big, us. <laughs> is that hard, though? I don't know. That's I
2: just assume they're listening to everything at this point. Yeah. so yeah. We've been reported.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got to keep tabs somehow. That's right. Um, do they ever get tired of making reports? How do they have time to make a 500-page report at this point? That's a lot of pages.
3: It's a lot of pages.
1: Inspector General report. Yeah, yeah. good reading. Yeah, I'm sure it's very. <laughs> Did you read riveting. it? No. no,
3: I was to read
1: it. Nobody probably read this, no. other than maybe a handful of individuals in the media, right? To summarize it for the rest of us, I mean, and, that's, do and so then we'll we'll spend an hour talking about it,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and we thank them for that, right? right? and We don't have to read it ourselves.
1: All right, should we jump right in, Nick? Oh, yeah. All right. So it turns out all we needed to bring the country together after the 2016 election was a 500-page report from the Justice Department's Inspector General. Released on Thursday, the report painted a harsh portrait of FBI Director James Comey and his handling of the Clinton email investigation, suggesting his conduct was insubordinate and broke with long-standing policy of not publicly discussing ongoing investigations. Nevertheless, the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, did not challenge the conclusion that Mrs. Clinton should not be prosecuted, noting, quote, We found no evidence that the conclusions by the department prosecutors were affected by bias or other improper considerations. While the report did not find any bias influenced the investigation, it did find that five FBI employees assigned to the investigation uh, expressed statements of hostility toward then-candidate Trump and statements of support for cl- uh, candidate Clinton. Uh, Those employees brought discredit to themselves and cast a cloud over the investigation. In particular, were messages between Stroke and senior FBI agents uh, where he said, we'll stop it, uh, referring to Trump's uh, presidency. All in all, the report gave everyone a little of what they wanted to hear. Trump falsely claimed the report totally exonerated him and Clinton supporters found support for their view that Comey decided the election. So there's so much to break down here. Maybe we should start with Suzanne. Oh, God,
3: um, so much to break down. Let's start with the guest yeah. and see if she right, can figure well, it out. So, you know, there, there
1: are a couple different angles to think about here. One is the election itself right. uh, and the report suggesting that that Comey was insubordinate mm-hmm. for bringing this back up, for exposing the investigation, all of that. Uh, if you're if you're Hillary Clinton right now, you're you're not pleased, right?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, if I'm Hillary Clinton, I haven't been pleased for a long time. Right. So, it's like one more thing to say, see I was right, mm-hmm. you know, something something was done that was out of my control that, you know, handed somebody else the election and And I guess to some extent, that's fair. And I think your point about everybody got a little something that they wanted, that's exactly right. That Republicans are going to say, see, they're out to get the president, which means now the Mueller investigation is completely uh, illegitimate, which they've been trying to say all along. And then the Democrats are going to say, see, Comey had some kind of bias, even though the report says he didn't. But there was something he did, whether it was purposeful or not, so maybe not bias, that change the course of history, so to speak.
1: Because it does lend the Republicans this argument to say uh, the investigation started because Trump fires Comey. Right. And this report suggests that Comey was insubordinate so he should have he, been fired. Right. You know, I mean, so you can understand why Republicans would run with that line of argument. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: And especially because what Trump said, although he flip-flopped back and forth, was I fired him because of the way he handled the Clinton email investigation. Yeah, which, so, that, that's not true. Well, well Obviously. <laughs> but if he could go back now and say, see, there's evidence that when I said that I fired him because he handled it poorly, now the Department of Justice is saying, yes, he did handle it poorly. And not only did he handle it poorly, but his employees at the Justice Department or in the FBI particularly also handled it poorly. And so... I think the link to the Mueller investigation is interesting because there are some, what did it say? There's something the Inspector General said about how they shouldn't have had people on the Clinton email um, investigation, also on part of the Mueller investigation, right? right? So, Mm -hmm. um, but to sort of say that somehow because there's some crossover now that the entire Mueller investigation is illegitimate, I I mean, that seems like a very weak link to me, but it's just one more thing to add to this link that's already trying to be created. I don't know if this is the thing that's going to make it happen or not. And
1: probably it's, not. Well, it's an it's interesting the legacy of, of Jim Comey now from this as well. I mean, he gets By hammered the way, called it. Y- you he's, did. Yeah, he's The so stupid yeah. boy scout who was out for himself. Sorry. Nick is not a, a fan of James Comey. <laughs> no, I'm so not. and it, it, the interesting <laughs> thing is the report did suggest that while he was insubordinate and he broke long-standing uh, practice the investigation itself was done properly. So in some ways, it, it reinforces that the FBI is doing a good job, but right. that Jim Comey at the top mm-hmm. made the made the wrong choice. Mm-hmm.
3: But didn't they criticize the, the lack of speed of going through the right. emails on Anthony Weiner's computer yes. or saying, oh, well... They should have been doing this faster, but they said they were doing other things, but really they should have done it quicker. Mm -hmm. But even if they had done it faster, that doesn't mean Comey wouldn't have still come out publicly and said, oh, we found these other things and there's nothing there. It just maybe would have happened earlier, Mm -hmm. not what, six days before the election or whatever it was and maybe it would have had a different impact. So I don't know that I don't know that this, you know, doing it faster would have made any difference. I think Comey would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing they said about the investigation that was what faulty, I right. guess, was the
1: speed of that And part. it's such an interesting thing because if you put yourself in Comey's shoes. Ev- Those are big shoes. Right, big shoes. <laughs> Everybody figured Hillary Clinton was going to win. And that had to be what was weighing on him. He's thinking about the fact that if I don't release information that we're reopening the investigation into Ooh. Hillary Clinton, right. Hillary wins. Eventually, this is going to come out. Yes. And not only might I get fired, James Comey gets fired, but the FBI, suddenly that institution is under attack. I I don't think Comey is driven by partisan motivations. I don't think he cares if Hillary or if Trump won. I think he's an institutionalist in that he's worrying about is good for Suzanne. He's worried about the way in which this is going to denigrate the FBI and his leadership of the FBI.
2: But it already happened.
1: I mean, it happened regardless of
2: what his actions were. Right. Right. So, I I mean, realistically, in in this situation, his job was to follow protocol, because regardless of what the situation was, this was going to be the end result. So do your job. Follow the rules, and you're relatively speaking. I- even if your job isn't safe, you followed the
1: written prescribed protocol of
2: your institution. Whether you agree with it or not, that's your job.
1: And by that, you mean not releasing any for any information on on Hillary Clinton. Like not that, coming that, out that saying that we're second. reopening, right. yes. and then oh, yeah. but now we're not. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. He got cute. He got cute and got caught.
2: Uh, yeah, right. Well, uh, realistically, I, mm, I I don't know. Like it just. Uh, the overarching theme of the report seems to be that he just did not, he flouted the rules. He mm-hmm. didn't care. Again, he may have been doing it for. Personal, what he thought were you know morally righteous reasons, but that is not your decision to make in this particular situation.
3: But as a director of, F- of the FBI, that's not his decision to I
2: make. I don't think it's his decision. I mean, to I make.
3: guess there was some criticism that he didn't talk to Loretta Lynch and right, yes. so he kept his superiors out of the loop. And I think that that's that's fair criticism for anyone in any position that doesn't go to their boss. That's that's fine. But I don't know that his motives were anything other than. We've never seen anything like this before. I'm looking ahead to how it could blow back on us later. I don't want to say that there was any favoritism. And so I'm going to try to do what I think is best in this situation, whether it be short-sighted or not. I, yeah. I don't know that there was a morally righteous reason, like you're saying. and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that him, you know, being insubordinate, as what the inspector general said, was really what it, what it was. And maybe I'm drinking the Comey Kool-Aid because I've seen too many interviews and he seems like a good guy, yeah. but... I know, I think in my, I'm thinking of myself in that situation where if this comes in front of me and we're in this, this situation we've never seen before, I may do something no one's ever done before in order to protect the institution, in order to make sure that I'm covered and that my people are covered, even if it breaks protocol. But to your point, Nick it came back on him anyway right. and the institution yeah. anyway just in a very different way
2: yeah it's very i i, I mean we're we're looking at a not we're right now <laughs> No, we don't, we don't have, have, have it in front of me, of me. <laughs> we're looking at a 500 page report on the inadequacies and the breakdown of communication and protocol and bureaucratic process of one of the most important institutions in the country like it's Again, I'm not saying that this would have gone any better, but now we have another piece of written evidence mm-hmm. that can be used by both sides of the poli- uh, political aisle to make their point and pull us even farther apart than we were originally. It, uh, it it just it does not make strategic sense what he did
1: in my opinion. Given that Trump won, if if Hillary had won, he's fine, right? Everything's okay because oh, yeah. then he exposed this early, so he made a calculated decision to say mm-hmm. this is probably going to go in the direction of Hillary Clinton. And that's wanna... why you don't do it. Well, absolutely right. <laughs> or, and and I, think there is, I think you're right, Suzanne, to say that he thought he didn't have to go to the attorney general. He mm-hmm. thought he could... Uh, and again, he had his reasons for doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's different from what we see so often, which is a partisan motivation. I don't think that was driving mm-hmm. him at all. He's mm-hmm. not thinking about democrat republican he's thinking about his own strategic and the fbi's interests Mm so it's hard for us to understand that and think about that when we're so used to hyper partisanship Mm -hmm. but you're right he it the election goes a different way he looks like he looks he makes a terrible mistake Mm -hmm.
3: um which maybe we wouldn't have said or i don't think we would have said it to your point is a mistake had you know president clinton if if she were sitting in the oval office right now
1: right because then all that information oh, is out there. No, it's so such good. a. So you got to think that Hillary. Oh, she she sent out some tweet saying, "But my emails." Right. Yeah. So yeah. She was on that. But the, the other reaction that for me was kind of fascinating was watching Trump react to mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. because this report, other than the text messages between stroke and page, which again, we're we're bad uh, when you've got were... when you have somebody saying we're gonna stop <laughs> right, it. Right. It doesn't get more blatant than that. No. And, and the interpretation that Trump has is that, oh, that means these FBI agents are going to prevent my election. Right. My guess is this is probably like the text that all of us sent to each of other. Course. Like, like right, it'll
3: never happen. Don't happen. worry. That's exactly what it is.
1: We're going to stop it like the public, the country.
2: But right. it, it just it it don't sounds... have that luxury in those positions. Exactly. And you shouldn't be dumb enough to be doing that right. on a sensitive uh, investigation like this yep. yeah yeah on they were they were government issued phones too or emails right probably was, yeah
3: oh yeah i think it was i think you're right it's just dumb like you just don't it do is. that
1: and, and the crazy thing is too they were saying that in the report they talked about the fact that both these fbi agents were actually pushing harder on the clinton investigations mm-hmm. they were the ones saying we should go further we shouldn't give up on this right so it's not as if They were easy on Clinton, but it just lends the Trump, or Trump in particular, Mm -hmm. some more ammunition to attack Mm -hmm. the FBI, to attack Comey, all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's nothing in this report that really is good for Trump other than those text messages. Oh, Mm
3: -hmm. nothing at all.
1: It suggests that Comey made a mistake. It also says that there was no bias in any of this. Uh, So it's not a win for Trump, but he's... It's a rhetorical win, win right? Yes. I mean,
3: I think it just adds fuel to, like, as we've already talked yeah. about, to this. The FBI was crooked for Crooked Hillary yeah. and whatever he called Comey. I'm sure he's got some nickname for him that I can't remember. <laughs> uh, and so now with Ray and everyone else at the Justice Department and now the FBI and with Sessions leading everything, like, now all is well, all is right. Mm-hmm. And so... The, you know the, the FBI's reputation may, can now be restored thanks to me. This is what he'd be saying. Right. Thanks to me.
1: Well, and now he has Rudy Giuliani going out on all oh. the talk shows. Rudy is on nonstop, mm. and he made the argument that the next day when the report came out on Thursday, he said on Friday, Mueller should resign. It should all go away. Rudy Giuliani looks like he's in a really special place right now. <laughs> I mean, just like yes. it doesn't feel like it's it's all connecting. I'm anywhere. sure it's not all there.
3: Yeah,
0: poor
1: Rudy.
2: <laughs> I miss old Rudy. If that is
3: the best you've got as your front person, and I mean. It's just sad. Like that's bot scraping yeah. bottom of the barrel. Best you got uh, out in front of the world.
1: I, it's just bad. 911, okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <If> <laughs> that's the only thing he's got going for him. But
1: don't you think Trump loves the what Rudy's doing? Like tr- tr- he goes oh, out sure. there. He will say he will defend him in any way shape or form. It doesn't matter. Rudy doesn't care what he's saying anymore. There's no integrity to it. Um, yeah, but
3: he says stuff that accidentally gets the president in trouble. Right, like, That's oh, he or knew or he paid. He paid him back. He totally or paid her back. He totally paid her back. Whatever. It's like, uh, oh, what I, I I said that never happened. Oh yeah, I did, did. Sorry. I mean, but with so many
1: other other people in the camp campaign or administration, when they made mistakes like this, they were pulled back. I mean, mm-hmm. think about Scaramucci. I mean, he was you know ten days and he's gone. Rudy, they keep putting out there. There must be mm-hmm. something about that bond, or that connection yeah. between the two of them, where Rudy can continue to go out and make those mistakes mm-hmm. and play the fool. Trump loves it. Maybe uh, because it makes Trump look better. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. They're two of a kind in that way. I mean, <laughs> they both had three wives. They're both. Pair. Yeah.
2: He has been extremely loyal yes. through the entire thing, too. Sure. I and mean, there aren't many of those people left who are not
3: in, in jail. prison. Yeah. yeah. Which we get um, to.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've been talking about it. It's just it doesn't take much at this point. It's, you know, it's a drop of blood in the water and everybody swarms. Yeah. Regardless of the context of the text messages or emails or whatever the reasons that, that Comey had the optics of what we're seeing or what people are perceiving. You can, you can bend reality at this point to whatever you need. And most people are completely willing to have the reality bent. So I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I, that, it's just a bizarre place that we're in.
1: It's, it's a great point because the, this report fit that exactly. Everybody gets what they want out right. of it. So, I think the FBI gets what it wants, where it comes off and says, hey, we followed protocol, and Comey made some mistakes, but as an institution, no bias. Clinton gets what she wants. Democrats get what she want. They want – you know, Trump gets what he wants. The reality – you're right. There's no reality anymore. It's just – Information that can be spun. Right. Uh, We all lose. Yeah, right.
3: Everybody gets what they want, but that doesn't mean we all win. It means at the end of the day, we sort of all lose.
1: Susan, I wanted to ask you about, so there's lots of conversation about whether, you know, can we know what thing might have turned the election? And it's hard to know with Russia's intervention because there's no good way to measure it. Right. The one thing that I've seen over time is they say that the Comey releasing of the second investigation, Mm -hmm. you see a shifting in polling. Yes. And of all the different measures, this might be the one that could have been a decider.
3: Yes. Yeah, so the, now that we're a little further out and we have some more data, it's been interesting to see how this plays out. So the one connection I've seen that has the strongest, at least causal link that I've seen, is that the letter affected those voters who who decided within a week or two of the election. And a super majority of those people voted for Trump. Sure. So to be able to find that connection, because before we're kind of thinking like, okay, we saw the exit poll numbers say that, you know, again, a super majority of these voters who were, Undecided up to the very end, which is a very small amount, usually, but more than normal this election, swayed for Trump. So what's the thing? We've been trying to figure out, like, what's the thing that made all these voters who were like, I don't know what to do, vote for Trump, especially if they voted for Obama before. And one of the links we're finding with some, some evidence is that it was this letter that it, because it doesn't take a lot for a voter who's undecided to make a switch. It really doesn't take very sure. much. It could be one ad, one scandal, one something. Because they really teeter, but there's usually so few of them, but because there were so much so many more of them this time, right It could have made a bigger difference and of course it depends on in which states. That's something I don't know yet. Sure. But if there were a disproportionate amount of them in swing states or whatever it could have made a difference. Well then there
1: already difference. was this narrative out there that the Trump administration or Trump campaign did a good job of crooked Hillary, yes. this corruption and then this comes out there. It was, in many ways, maybe the tipping point. Probably. But, you know, these voters may have been leaning that way and hadn't made the decision, and then this Boom. information comes out. That's right. Now, they could have drifted that way anyhow, right? It's mm-hmm. entirely possible that the trend had occurred right. before right. it was already occurring. But yeah, this thats it's a really interesting thing to think about, mm-hmm. is that one bit of information. I I—I yeah. I, I have
2: no doubt that that has that influenced the results in some respect, but... I mean, he trounced through New England and the northern Midwest, places that were supposed to be democratic bulwarks with pretty wide margins. Mm-hmm. I, as much as I think it could have influenced, I don't know if that was a decisive factor in the end. It's...
3: Because you've learned so much from me that there's course. so <laughs> many things that affect how an election yes. goes. Yes. It can't be just Realistically, one. it's
2: everything. Yeah. Yes. So we... Yes. What the f-
3: No, but it's an extra thing that we've never really had to look at before in an election that was so anomalous where the blue wall didn't hold Mm -hmm. and we didn't, you know, Hillary Clinton didn't go to the places the Democrats had gone and Trump went to places that Republicans hadn't gone. And so you put all of these pieces together. You try to model this out.
2: It was a perfect shitstorm. Yeah, right. It was Mm -hmm. because
3: the the fundamentals still hold to some extent, but the error was larger. So, like, what makes up that error? It's these little things that we have never seen before. Mm -hmm. So when we try to model this out for the next election. You go back to the fundamentals always, but then trying to account for some of these different things, it, like how do you account for all things Trump? And I don't just mean him, but like all the things. It's really hard to account for that if we're talking about an actual forecasting model. Especially
1: mm-hmm. when you think about you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio. Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, Pennsylvania, yep. right? Those, those were all very narrow victories by Trump. <laughs> So you, you will probably never know what was the one factor. But certainly Comey has to be in that conversation about.
3: Absolutely. You know, a
1: multi-causal explanation. Comey's letter certainly is helping push that. 100%. Or at least pushing Trump voters or voters who are maybe leaning that way. This right. was the that tipping point for them.
3: And it's so hard to measure that because in an exit poll, you can't ask somebody. So did you know about Jim Comey came out? Right. And you can't right, ask right. them that because we didn't think it was going to be like a thing. Mm. And then if you try to go back and ask people, you know, for whom did you vote and what were all the. You know get their demographics and try to kind of put them in a red or blue box and then ask them we're so far removed from it and then also presumes people even know about it it's it's it would be really difficult to figure out decisively if that was you know an actual causal link we have some kind of in between ways that we can find some evidence but it's, it's in there somewhere
1: mm-hmm. and the other interesting thing for this whole this ig report is that it doesn't speak at all to the Russian collusion case. It's not talking about that at all, but we can't even separate that anymore. I mean, Trump says this exonerates him. This makes it yeah. completely vindicates him. And like, no, it didn't speak to that at it didn't
3: all. That at I don't all. think they
1: can. I don't think they can touch that with a 20 foot pole
3: no. at this point. Not till it's over. No. And maybe not even after it's over yeah, because probably it's, not. it's not an FBI investigation.
1: <clears throat> mm-hmm. But if you went out to the streets and asked people about it, I'm guessing most people would think, oh, yeah, the inspector general report was connected to the Russian collusion case, right? right? I mean, it's, and it's, I find myself even saying, like, well, it was, right? I mean, it's, it's so <laughs> it's hard. It's in there somewhere, yeah, right? right? It's, it's on page. Three hundred
2: and sixty. <laughs> it's so hard
1: to keep all of these things straight. And I feel like, you know, with the podcast, we try to stay on top of things. I'm even confused at times. Oh, so I don't know what we talk day. about. Most <laughs> weeks. Yeah, I kind of black out. <laughs> oh, so. and not because of the beer. No, no, no. surprisingly not.
3: Today no. might be because of the heat. Yeah. yeah. See, we start talking and I get all it's we get hot, even yeah. sweatier than normal. Oh, so
1: we've got, we did 20 minutes on an inspector general's report. It was very lengthy. Yeah. Should we, should we talk beer? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> then we, we can leave some time for some, some of the speed round topics. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> So, Nick, do you want to introduce our beer? You're always so good at reading the beer. Am I? Yeah. Because it's drinkable. You need your glasses. <laughs> I know. That's true.
2: Um, so we had a, uh, a bicycle kick uh, from New Belgium, uh, which I'm assuming is related to the World Cup, given that there's a soccer player on there. He's got a soccer ball. Um, and there's a bunch of flags and stuff. Soccer ball. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting. I'm not much of a Kolsch person. You're a Kolsch person, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. it's, it's very light. It's very, um, carbonated I, yeah, I don't know. I felt like there wasn't a lot of complexity to it. Like there's no, I felt like there should have been like, as soon as it hits you, there should have been some kind of sweetness or tartness or tops mm-hmm. yeah. or something. And then there's just nothing. There, it, 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 it this nothing. Is,
1: it's like a, almost like a maltiness, but not even a strong, there's something, yeah, there's something yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah, no. nothing grabbing it. But yeah. as, Suzanne is the Colch person.
3: <laughs> I I agree that it it's a little. So I expect it to be a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. um, sort of more like a hefeweizen, but it's not. It's darker, It's not as dark as a blue moon, but it's kind of somewhere between there. And so it's not as heavy as a blue moon, but I think it's it's in that family in terms of like what you get after you take the sip and what the aftertaste tastes like because it kind of sticks with you. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have a sweet or a tart or coriander or anything in it. It just kind of sits. Yeah. So it's a perfectly fine light beer yes mm-hmm. um, it's not one that I would reach for if I wanted if I wanted what I usually like which is the Belgian or Hefeweizen right. mm-hmm. and, and New so, Belgian. No
1: New Belgian makes New some world. great beers I mean yeah. Fat Tire and all the other oh, Those are fantastic, fantastic beers yeah
3: this not so much no, it's, it's okay
1: it's alright beer go back to the drawing board on that one guys. that's right <laughs> yeah. so can I just first.
3: ask quickly about the World yeah. Cup are you all into the World Cup because my husband is like taping it getting up in the morning watching the replay watching it on like Univision when Mexico plays to hear the like he's like all about the World Cup or is this just are you, are you, do, you, no. do you care <laughs> yeah I don't either. I've been don't watching know. a really little bit care. Yeah,
1: and then so Robert Musetti a professor here at North Central College who also is very much into the World Cup I've been texting him <laughs> And saying Robert, it's it's zero zero with thirty seconds left. Is so this a, is this a good game. He's like, oh, this is a fantastic game. Yes. So, so those who are really into the World Cup are loving this yes. World Cup. It's it's been very exciting, but, even though the uh, U.S. isn't in it. So yes. that's
3: like this is the thing, of course, that people in the yeah. U.S. are like, oh, they're not in it, but it's apparently it's just as exciting. But
1: this Mexico Germany game was
2: very exciting. Yes, it yeah. was. So apparently they caused an artificial earthquake in Mexico because of all <laughs> the fans liberation? when they scored. Yeah, the one goal. Yes. Yeah, it was like a two point something. Yeah, yeah it was measurable crazy. on the scale. Yeah. I, I Sorry know. for the digression. No, 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 I had no. to just ask. That's I'm, the most I know. It's right like
3: soccer is <laughs> one of the only, it's like the only sport I just can't quite get into. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really see the fervor of it, but it's like the, the world's biggest thing. And so I'm like, am I missing it? I was wondering how you all feel about that. I, I, I,
1: yeah. I, more so this year than in previous years, I can watch it, but I don't feel an impulse, the desire to watch it that I might mm-hmm. for a football game or something. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: Take me to a baseball game. I'm good. I just want my hot dog and beer.
1: And but baseball there. might be more boring than soccer. No, because I can drink and eat at the same time. <laughs> that's true. And be very calm about that's it. That's true. Yeah, and it's if hot. it's
2: 95 degrees out, that's fine. You know, yeah. Be
0: but, yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Moving that was, on. That was good. Now let's go to speed round. So, all right. Topic number one in speed round. But the Bible and Stephen Miller say it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So President Trump is doubling down on the false assertion that Democrats were responsible for the administration's policy of separating migrant families apprehended at the border. The practice of separating parents from their children has been widely condemned and put the administration in an awkward political position. Trump has blamed the Democrats. Uh, Session has pointed the Bible. And Stephen Miller has embraced the policy like the champ he is. He's the only one who's like, yes. This is awesome. Separate the children. (laughs) Zero tolerance.
3: (laughs) Over the last
1: six weeks, the administration acknowledges that it has separated nearly 2,000 children from their parents as part of the administration's new zero-tolerance policy uh, that uh, that refers for criminal prosecution, all immigrants apprehended crossing the border without authorization. Separating children from their parents is a political bomb that previous administrations, both Democrat and Republican, have avoided at all costs. So, Suzanne, while the morality of this action is hard to defend, do you think the political costs will get so heavy that ultimately the Trump administration will shift course? No. No? You but, think they're going to stand tall?
3: Well, here – okay, so here's where I'm a little conflicted because even I – myself on as a guest and I've heard all you talk about it. We talk about our students and so forth and we're just having general conversations about how – strategic is Trump, right? Does he just kind of do things? Is there a strategy? How much credit should we give him and so forth? And so I'm thinking about like a long game here, right? So you look at what Trump really wants to do is to be able to detain these, un- these undocumented immigrants for as long as ICE wants to keep them. But because of the way that the law is technically written now, children cannot be detained for any lengthy period of time. And so, but they also can't be released without their parents. Mm-hmm. And so, what the goal is and this, there was a bill that's actually introduced to the house on Thursday that's supposed to get a vote this week what the bill does is it says a, pa- a child cannot be released without their parents but if the parent can't be released then that means a child has to stay so it really makes it an indefinite kind of detainment and closes this loophole that he's been talking about about you know children and this yeah. the reason we separate them is because the parents have to go and and so the, for me what and I, again I'm trying to reconcile this is By having this policy, which is bad publicity, it's bad politically, it's bad, you know, like humanity, is the goal to force the hand of Congress and Democrats in particular to come to the table with funding for the border wall, to pass comprehensive you know immigration legislation more like he wants it in order to then no longer separate the children from the parents while also maybe getting what he wants which is indefinite detainment of these these families that come across
1: so so children and their parents go to jail right and he gets a wall
3: I mean, in his ideal world, yes.
1: (laughs) Stephen Miller would be so happy. And
3: so is Jeff Sessions because he alluded to to as much that this is like a long game here, right? And so the question is how the Democrats play the long game with this because right now it's very short. It's going to the detention center and it's going to see the kids in cages and it's having, you know, press conferences and screaming about it and maybe trying to make it some kind of an issue during the primaries, But if you look at the poll numbers, there were two polls that came out last week. One from the Daily Beast and Ipsos, and one from Quipiniac, I think. And the Quipiniac—I never say that word right. (laughs)
2: It's—it's so hard. That one. Yeah. Then you know that one. Yeah.
3: I never say it right, and the beer does not help. Quipiac. That sounds right. I'm sorry to those of you that work there. (laughs) 55% 55% of Republicans support this policy and 35% oppose it, whereas 91% of Democrats oppose it, 68% of independents oppose it. When it's framed as those seeking asylum. <clears throat> With the Ipsos poll, the question is framed as just, you know, migrants crossing the border and separation. And even so then 46% of Republicans approve of it. And then I think it was 32% do not So – It's a popular policy for his base. Mm
1: -hmm. But you've had. So yesterday, Laura Bush came out and wrote an op-ed. You've had uh, Billy Graham's son came out, Franklin Graham. I mean, you're getting hit. Even Melania Trump released this kind of cryptic statement where it seemed like it was a shot at the Trump administration. Obviously, all Democrats. It feels like if I am the Democratic Party right now, mm-hmm. I let this go. I let I let Trump stew in this. This ultimately is going to be Nick. Isn't this This is going to hurt him. I,
2: mm, no, I don't know. They're going to line really up. Know on this. Like this is a thing. Like I I would I would love to think that there's that. Depth of strategy coming out of the administration. Right. He's not he's not a supervillain like it's not. Are you sure though? I'm pretty sure. But Maybe
3: Stephen Miller and Jeff Sessions are the supervillains. That's possible. Stephen
2: Miller. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think more than anything. I, I, I don't think it's any deeper than them sending a message. And Jeff says Jeff Sessions has specifically said, I hope. The message of what we're doing here mm-hmm. gets down to Central and South a, America a before they come here.
3: Because yeah. that's where most of those that are crossing without documents are not Mexican. They're right. not Mexican. They're Correct. coming from South America no, right. South, to, escape, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. to escape. Yes, to escape violence and so, yeah. yeah, It's yeah. Yes, it's, yes. it's
2: a horrible thing. Yes. Regardless, I I don't think that, especially in the climate that we're in right now, this is going to be as much of a political hot potato as it potentially could have been under a standard administration. Like you said, a a lot of the Republican base still supports it, Mm -hmm. regardless of how you phrase it. And if the Democrats keep hammering on this, that's fine. But then people are going to expect them to do something about it.
3: And that's what Trump keeps calling him out. It's like lying that it's a Democratic policy and then saying, well, the Democrats need to step up and do something. Right. So
2: it's not. It's not a bad strategic position to be in. He's not really losing anything with his base, and the Democrats are going to have to do something about
1: it. See, I, 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 I'm not so sure, because here's, here's how I see I it. I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. I disagree. <laughs> Trump. Uh- Nobody can push back against Trump on any issue, right? And we'll talk mm-hmm. about that later with the primaries. You get in line with Trump and that's the reality or you're going to get hit. But what we're seeing here, okay. this has maybe been the only issue where there's some genuine pushback on Trump from those within the party. Like, right. you know, so that makes me think that this might be the one issue that he's gonna, he is going to be the one that will have to change and shift. And it may only be rhetoric we will come out and say, like, oh, we've solved it. You know, we, we've decided to fix the demo- – that's all he would have to do. And oh, yeah. We're not long, no longer separating families. I'm fixing the Democratic plan. But my guess is he is going to have to shift, unlike every other issue where people have been coming to Trump. I don't know. I
3: don't know. Yeah. I don't think so either. I think separating
1: <laughs> families is one that's touching both the evangelical community, the Catholic. I mean, it's, it's across the board you're seeing some – uncomfortableness with
3: this. But how does that translate? So that's the thing is that, I mean, you always talk about, we yeah. ha- Democrats have to win elections. This is one of the things you always say, like we suck at winning mm-hmm. elections, we have to win elections, right? We're terrible. That We're is terrible. We're <laughs> yeah. right in the middle of the primary season. And if this doesn't become an issue, I don't know what. If separating families and the way that it's, like you said, touching all those communities, yeah. if if it doesn't become an issue and that if it doesn't have legs yeah. as an electoral issue where there's actual pressure on those getting elected in the primary, and then how this plays out in the general election, if for some reason this is still going on, sure. then nothing's going to change. Because the only thing that's going to matter is whether or not the Republicans keep the majority in Congress and the president can run more successfully in 2020. That's mm-hmm. what's going to make someone shift.
1: Th- that's true. But I'm thinking about this. If I'm a Democrat running, I love talking about Trump separating. Oh, of course. T- so this, this feels like a good electoral strategy For me whereas if i'm trump i want to be talking about building a wall something else you know i want to shift this in a different direction so i think that's why i think if this lingers it's not necessarily but you just proved
3: the point right there because if you're a democrat that's running in a district that's competitive then that's or or democratic then that's a really smart strategy but Mm -hmm. if you're running as a democrat in a leans republican district Mm -hmm. or maybe a solidly republican district you have to really read that electorate to know whether you bring this up yeah because you say it touches everyone, and I'm not disagreeing because I'm, as a parent, right, or yeah. as a human, we should right. be like, what the fuck is this? Right, right. But when 55% of your base yeah. app- approves of this policy, if it's a district where your base resides, how does that work for the Democrats?
1: Fifty five is lower than Trump's approval and a lot of other things where he's in the 80s. And, uh, you know, so that's that's I think that's why I think there's more wiggle room here. That's yeah. fair. we
2: we'll fair. I, uh, and we talked about it before we yeah. we started recording. Like I, in in an age where every um, margin, it's it's two or three percent like right. that's that's pretty big yeah. regardless uh, and an issue which should be highly contested this, this is, is the point this right. is
3: where we live yeah. this is parties a hell of a drug this is yeah. where we live
2: regardless I mean the only ones that are going to suffer because of this, are the two parties? Regardless, oh, and this the is about, yeah, and the Yeah, well, the children. Uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just
1: thinking, if I'm a Republican, I don't want to be talking about separating. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah.
2: You don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But in the end, someone is going to start calling you on your bullshit, and it's not going to be the Republicans before it's the Democrats. So the Democrats still have more to lose here than any Republican does at this point,
3: especially now that the House has introduced this bill.
2: Absolutely. Which
3: I, doesn't say that it no doesn't say that it forbids separating a family even though they're saying that it does.
2: Sure. And regardless of how you spin it, I, I bet if you talk to a lot of people in the solid Republican base, this is another kind of identity politics, you know, left of center issue. Keep the that the Browns does not out. Reson- it doesn't matter. Yeah, It doesn't resonate with they're them. You know, they have their good law abiding Americans who, you know, want to get paid more and want lower taxes. And these are people who are coming here and we, you know, don't know. They're just, you know, taking advantage of the system, and it goes straight back to what we did, you know, in, in, when what, what was that? 2016. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> even
3: know what go? year it is. What is it? How <laughs> long have we been in prison?
1: Oh, God, we've been talking about this so long. This feels, <laughs> to, I, 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 we need to move on, but I just, I feel like this is the anchor that could be bad news for the Republicans. We'll see. We'll let some time. Go I mean, by. I we'll hope see. so, because yeah.
3: if, if people can't put, that stuff aside, to look at these families and look at themselves and try to see them as humans as they are, then I don't know where we are. Yeah. Then it's a really it's no, a that's... sad stain.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stains, let's talk about Paul Manafort. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I didn't even do that top. on purpose, but you're welcome. <laughs> <That's good>. Yes. <laughs> All right. So as we speak, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort is sitting in jail where he will await his trial oh, in like God. September. The guy's gonna sit in the can. For months. In the can. Oh. oh so God. two weeks. So is that it? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Is that's that it. No, it. No, no. In the more. In, in the slammer. The slammer. See? Two. Nobody
3: knows.
1: <laughs> uh, so two weeks after special counsel Robert Mueller's prosecutors dropped new uh, accusations of witness tampering on him, uh, U.S. District Judge Amy Berman, Amy Berman Jackson on Friday revoked Manafort's bail, which had allowed him to live in his Alexandria, Virginia, Virginia apartment under house arrest. Apparently, Manafort was engaging in a little witness tampering, which you can't can't do that. No, (laughs) Uh, the judge told him this is not middle school. I can't take a cell phone. She said of Manafort. I love that. I thought about this long and hard. Mr. Manafort, I have no appetite for this. Manafort entered a not guilty plea to two additional charges levied against him. In total, he faces seven criminal charges in D.C. federal court. This is a big deal. Uh, Manafort is likely to never again see the outside unless he flips on Trump or trump pardons him so what are we thinking uh, you know this is uh, the campaign chairman the, all these chants of lock her up mm-hmm. are really ironic now nick aren't they when mm-hmm. we think about his campaign chairman <laughs> oh, <man>. actually actually <laughs> locked up
2: <laughs> he's he's just an idiot yes he's, he's, and a criminal probably yeah, oh, yeah probably yes, a- yes. two Allegiance. things can be true yes. Yes. Air quote? Yeah, yeah, he's he's just a moron. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're gonna do this, be better at it. Which yeah. seems to be the theme. Money laundering. With a lot all of people it. in yeah. the administration who yeah. yeah. were involved. If you're gonna do it. Be better at it. Right. Yeah. Like they're just they're just bad at this. They're bad at at being bad guys. Well, and the other
1: thing is, you can be a bad guy and you can money launder, but then you shouldn't get involved in politics. Right. And where, like the
3: president. Right. Where you're right. going to suddenly that the is microscope
1: the is going to be on you. You right. can be a criminal. You can do all that stuff, but don't put yourself in a place where every little detail of your your history is going to be looked at. But it's Uh this
3: thought that he's above, that they're above the law. I think that's one of the things that's in common with, and if we we get to talking about the Trump Foundation, I think it's the same idea that even though the microscope is on, it's like, but I'm above the law. And not because Trump says he's above the law, but because I think for these quote, type of people that are in these positions of power and have all this money and have all of these connections. They just assume that they are above the law. Mm -hmm. And even with that microscope, they're like, it's cool. I'm protected. Mm -hmm. I don't go to jail. I never go to jail for that stuff. It's all these other people that go to jail. Well,
2: I mean, that's, you know, the difference between political life and private industry. Right. Right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
3: Even private industry, sometimes they don't go to jail. No, most of the
2: time they don't go into jail. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I, I don't know how to feel about it because I know if they were. Lifelong political operatives, they would be doing the same thing. They would just be better at it. And I don't know if it's better that it's so transparent that we're able to catch them more easily Mm -hmm. and do something about it. But the fact that it seems so widespread, um, you know, I would like to say that it's going to have some sort of effect. I don't really know if it's going to have any sort of effect Mm -hmm. on the
1: midterms or you know it'll have an impact on Manafort <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah
3: oh yeah that guy the one that's gonna be in the can as right, said. right
1: Nick and I before we were going on air we were talking about that going to jail will change a guy right mm-hmm. just being sent you have
3: do you
1: know that no no I, I'm terrified <laughs> of going to jail it'd be awful did you get that tear tattoo, tattoo <laughs> that's way. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice isn't it I didn't
3: see it last time <laughs> I was <laughs> here I didn't see that
1: but so if you're thinking about if you're Manafort it's one thing to be Charged with these things while you're still sitting at home eating nice dinners, it's another thing to be sleeping on a slab, not being able to talk to your family. You know, then suddenly the reality that you may never leave this facility hits home. Mm -hmm. And now we don't know whether he has anything on Trump. We don't know if he's got any scoop. Phil was here. Phil would say, "Yes, he does. He absolutely." Can I be Phil? Because I was in my head (laughs) saying, (laughs)
3: "Screaming! Of course he does."
1: So, so if you're if you're Manafort at this point and you have something on Trump boy, that pressure is going to build, right? Um, because yeah. every day that you're sitting there, every day you're thinking about this, and you know Trump is not going to be loyal to him. Maybe a pardon is coming, maybe not. You know, pardon, as we've talked about before, doesn't totally get Mana... Uh, it doesn't protect Trump entirely Mm-mm. because Manafort could st- then still <clears throat> be compelled to testify. Right. So it is... The pressure on Manafort now has gotten significantly higher. Mm-hmm. And I think also Trump, as he's thinking about all of this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether he... in Giuliani this week said, well... You know, we're probably going to have a whole bunch of pardons to clean all of this up, sweep it under oh. the rug, <laughs> clean
3: it up because it's all a bunch of horse shit, Not clean it up right. because our people did bad stuff and we're bad at it, and yeah. now we're just going to make it go away. Right? When really, it's the latter and not the former.
1: And and the thing with Manafort is that a lot of those these crimes were money laundering. You know, not reporting his uh, as a foreign agent. Foreign agent, yes. Mm-hmm. But all the connections are with Russians and Ukrainians who are connected to Russia. So Manafort is in deep with the Russians. It doesn't mean that Trump is in deep with the Russians, but it's a big problem for Trump that his campaign chairman. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this week, Trump Mm -hmm. said something to the effect like, oh, he only worked for me for like 50 days, which also, again, false. It was always it was I can't remember the exact number, but it was over 100 that he was there for as the campaign chairman.
3: And some of this stuff was happening. So he's also saying that he it all stopped before he started working for him, which is also a lie. Right. Because he was doing these things once he was working. For him. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So this week, there's been a number of federal prosecutors on all the different cable news shows. And a number of them said, like, going to jail changes a guy, right? <laughs> that, you know, it's one thing to be on the outside. Once you're facing that that prison the door, Yeah, your your perspective changes. So it's entirely possible. I mean, we've Cohen. Just in the last couple of days, Cohen has said he might start talking to, mm-hmm. to Mueller. So We've heard this, though. Like We've heard this since day one of the investigation yes. when they were started
2: handing out subpoenas. We have, we have yet to see someone actually flip on Trump. Which well, that
3: me, we know of.
1: That we know of. Right? No, no we have, right? We've seen Papadopoulos, That's Michael true. Flynn, those guys. I mean, they didn't obviously. flip on Trump, though, right? That, they didn't
3: flip on Trump, right. necessarily. We don't know. We don't
2: know. We know that they no, took a deal. Working. That's true. Yeah. Well, then they should finish the investigation because
1: we're getting really tired. This is true. Of yeah, this we're over true. a year in, right? Happy
3: anniversary. What do we know? Right.
1: <laughs> it's all the question of, like, you always want a bigger fish. And so then I'll, the question I have is, is is Manafort the biggest fish? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is that as high as we go? In which case, that guy's going to jail for the rest of his life. And Trump life. is safe. Yeah, exactly. Right. They, they may not reach to Trump. Or if if Mueller is thinking there is a bigger fish, mm-hmm. then Manafort has an out.
3: Wouldn't uh, you think that there has to be a bigger fish if the investigation is still going on. I don't know. Mm, it's I don't know. I can't, I just I feel like if it's only little tiny little minnows that this would be done. Well, but
1: the, the other fish could be Don Jr. It could be Kushner. Kushner. I mean there are other bigger fish than Manafort yeah. uh, that that still would be below Trump where mm-hmm. you know Don Jr is in some serious trouble, maybe Kushner. That I mean that, that those yeah, could those be the other fish. fish yeah. that's true. Yeah. They're
3: getting pardoned for sure. Yeah,
1: oh yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, I still think
2: they just they just need to finish the investigation, regardless of whether or not you agree with it or not. It's there is enough. The the political will to have it continue is not what it once was. And it's dangerous to keep it going at this point. I would imagine considering the people that they've indicted. uh, There's enough evidence there to make a a compelling case for whatever they have. It may not even go up to Trump. You may never find anything that leads directly to him Mm -hmm. regardless the public perception is that it's taking too long at this point and it's either a witch hunt on one end or it's being mismanaged on the other end Mm -hmm. I
1: I I agree with you that that that's the perception out there in terms of the length the reality is, compared to the Clinton investigation, compared to Iran-Contra, all the other investigations, this is a fraction of the time. You're Mueller, right. yes. Mueller is working at warp speed. It yes. doesn't matter. Uh, uh, but it mistakes. doesn't matter, right? The, no. the, the Republicans mistakes. were smart to start, or Trump was smart, to start talking about this. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there is pressure on Mueller. Yeah. So. Just, yeah. There is no spoon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whatever reality you make it, somebody's got to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> so Somebody's are,
3: going to emergency, somebody's going to jail.
1: That's right. Let's <laughs> talk about the primary. Are you Trump enough? Uh, seeing as we have American no. politics expert <laughs> Dr. Suzanne Chod with us today, we thought it was a good idea to look back at the primary results from last week. If we can draw some simple lessons, it is that women are surging as candidates for the Democratic Woo-hoo! primary, yes, and that Republican candidates need to think twice about crossing uh, President Trump. One example was Mark Sanford, uh, his surprise defeat Tuesday in his primary election in South Carolina, as well as Corey Stewart in Virginia's Republican victory in Republican primary in Virginia. Sanford is a solid, long-standing conservative, but was reluct- reluctant to fully embrace Trump. Stewart, by contrast, fully embraced his, the most controversial elements of Trump and was rewarded with a primary victory. These outcomes stand as a cautionary tale for Republicans in Congress who try to work with Trump while also maintaining their independence. Suzanne, what was your assessment of these primaries? And <laughs> what should we take away?
3: Oh, my gosh. I don't even know where to start. So okay. I would say there's three main things, and you hit on a couple of them in your mm-hmm. opening. One is um, sort of the surge of women candidates. So not only not only have we seen more women running, <laughs> but we've seen more of them winning and sort of getting this nomination. So already we've got, I think, double Um, what we had in previous cycles and and we're not even all the way through the primary season yet now of course a super majority of them are democratic candidates because we know that there are more democratic women than Mm -hmm. republican women and there's all kinds of reasons why um which is exciting and it's it's um you know is it the me too movement is it trump we don't really know what these things are but we know that more women are running and that they've been winning in primaries In, in particular all four women that ran in the four competitive districts in virginia won so that's really exciting The problem is, and this is where the political scientist in me gets really sad, because as a woman, I'm like, yay, there are going to be more women in Congress. These Democratic women that have won so far, most of them are running in competitive or more solidly Republican districts. So these Democratic women are winning primaries, which is really exciting. But most of them are up against Republicans in solid Republican or at least competitive districts.
1: Likely to lose. Likely
3: in a a solid Republican district. Absolutely. Especially if, which leads into the next thing, is which kind of Republican won. Sure. And in a solid Republican district, it's going to be a Trumpy Republican. Yeah. So when you have a Democratic woman who is going to be, because the research tells us this, um, more liberal than even some Democratic men yeah. up against a solidly Republican Trumpy you know, candidate that's a sad state of affairs for these Democratic women who are running because they're most likely not going to win.
1: So the the primary is a success in terms of getting more women (laughs) running for office and all of that, but it may not translate into actual seats in Congress. It may
3: not. Now, the House, in the Senate, it looks a little better. Every Senate election is competitive. It's really hard to say in any one given state. It's always R. It's always D. So in the Senate, this is actually, we see a better chance for women to make a dent and the Mm -hmm. the proportion of women in the Senate is lower anyway. Um, But in the House, it's it's because of where these Democratic women are running Mm it's not looking great for th- for those numbers to surge as much as we would like given this fervor around sure. around women in the democratic party right now.
1: Now, changing gears and thinking to the republican side, are right. you were you surprised that Sanford was defeated and like the pro Trump group seems to be doing well, the more and cuz Sanford is a he's a long standing he is a conservative conservative. He I mean, he is, is he's been around a long time. Yes. This was kind of shocking that he was defeated.
3: Yeah, I think it's It's really interesting because we talked about this earlier in the primary season about what kind of Republicans are going to win. And when Trump's um, numbers were really low and we had seen some of the, you know, like the Roy Moore, for example, loss, we're like, oh, those Trumpy Republicans, you know, it's really going to be more establishment Republicans and, you know, Mitch McConnell type Republicans. And we're seeing that now as the president's numbers have gone up and that this is actually not what we had expected, and there's more of these sort of Trumpy-like Republicans winning. And so you, when they run in competitive districts, it's going to be a lot harder, but you're not going to run a Republican who's Trumpy in a sure. competitive district yeah. anyway, right? You're going to run a more in a solid Republican district. So it really, it's going to be looking at the map as a whole once we get through the entire primary season, and with some confidence being able to say, here's what the margin is going to look like when the 2018 election happens.
1: Mm-hmm. So are we seeing a push on both the Democrat and the Republican side where we're going more to the edges, more to the fringes. No, no this okay. is so interesting. Yeah. So
3: I know I'm. Get, I'm sorry, I'm taking up the whole time, but it's just <laughs> fascinating because what we would have expected, because particularly in my congressional training, like this is what we know is one party goes right, the other party matches and goes left, and what we're seeing is that Republicans are going Trumpy, but the Democratic establishment is really what's winning in these Democratic primaries. Hmm. So. It's not really matching, as we would expect. So this made me think about 2020 and who's going to run, right? So the Sanderses and the Warrens, they're not really getting traction right now in the primaries. It's more establishment excuse me, establishment Democrats that are winning. Um, and there's a whole host of reasons why. But when you match up in any given election an establishment Democrat and a Trumpy Republican – it all depends on what the district looks.
1: Sure, like. mm-hmm. yeah. Because I mean,
3: it always does anyway. Because if,
1: if the electorate moves back to the center, that's a really good strategy for Democrats, right? Because they're they're going to likely peel away some of those more moderate conservatives yes. potentially.
3: Absolutely. But you're
1: right. If the district is leaning to the right, then that's a, it's a it's, victory right. for the Republicans. And
3: sure. all of those those Republicans who now don't want to say they're Republican because they don't want to be a trump republican are maybe saying that they're independent but they lean and so they're still going to vote for republicans in that particular district Mm -hmm. so it's this is where you have to really dig into what the constituents look like in a given district Mm
1: -hmm. and then you you put gender on top of that in those districts where we have women running that's also another variable that that can be really interesting but
3: party for lack of a better term party trumps gender every single time every single time like literally every single time
1: (laughs) that's a great way to end
3: (laughs) but there is so much more and I didn't let you guys talk. No, no, no. no we can do I, um, Nick? I know. Did you even hey, open another. your
1: mouth in the last no, five minutes? No, no. No, which was fine. You could have kept going if you wanted. I uh, would
3: have loved to have. No, for me, it's,
1: it's really interesting to watch these primaries play out because mm-hmm. you see where the parties are at and you see, I mean, it's both a, a micro level and a macro level, so the parties are trying to think at a macro level, but you also see individual dynamics playing out. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I will say I am shocked the degree to which the party has swung mm-hmm. in Trump's direction, it's just, I just, solidified. Yeah, it is, mm-hmm. and it's not even like wishy-washy. He now is the voice of the Republican Party. Absolutely, candidates have to bow down before him. They have to embrace his agenda, and it's leaving a lot of more traditional conservatives to sort of swing in the wind. Uh, it's uh, That's right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a shift. It's a major shift. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. No, I, I hope we'll that that shifts back. I think the country is better served with the more mm-hmm. traditional conservative voice. But Agreed.
3: Well, the question is whether he draws a primary challenger. I mean, from what you just said, it may suggest that Trump himself would draw a primary challenger in 2020, which we almost never see.
1: So f- somebody like Flake runs? Somebody
3: like Flake, absolutely.
1: Don't you think at this point Trump would just crush him? It's political suicide.
3: Well, I don't I don't know because it depends on where the money, from where the money is going to come. Yeah. Because now he may have to start taking super PAC money. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of dynamics that we don't really know yet. Mm. And so much has to happen before we know this as we get closer. I mean, so candidates will just start declaring on the Democratic side in like basically February March of 19. Mm-hmm. So we're not that far out from democratic sure. candidates starting to to declare for the Republican side. Of course, we typically don't see this, but if Depending on what happens, yeah. we may end up seeing Republicans declare.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I, we've been saying this a long time. All it would take is one like major implosion for Trump, and it would have to be bigger than the other ones. But it, you know, it's it, been a lot of implosion. No, no, yeah, but
3: something <laughs> that he can't skirt around, like right. really yeah. can't something, skirt around.
1: At, at that point, then there would be a quick shift, and, 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 and then point. somebody like you were saying, Nick, somebody like Flake or the more more moderate conservative or Suzanne Yeah, you said Flake, <laughs> right. and I said yes. Someone said it. Somebody said it. <laughs> he hasn't opened <laughs> his mouth, so no, it wasn't him. I'm just here listening <laughs> yeah. intently. No, uh, and I, I think I used to believe that. Now I'm I am convinced that Trump is in control of this party, yeah. uh, which well, I didn't think could happen. The midterms are showing. Yeah. We
3: have a lot more midterms to go, though, so we'll have. to see
1: That's it. right, because mm-hmm. we're early in the process. Yep. Let's talk the charities. Primaries, I'm sorry. Trump's charity has been busted for being a bunch of cheaters of uh, cheating cheaters of cheater.y <laughs> Did you make that up? I d- no, I stole it from somebody else, but I like it. <laughs> Cheating cheaters of cheatery or something like that. All right, so let me explain. It's the New amazing. York Attorney General on Thursday sued President Donald Trump's charitable foundation along with its director, uh, the president, his son, Eric. and Do- Eric's doing something. Um and Donald not playing Jr., Legos anymore. Yes, and, his, and his daughter, Ivanka, alleging they violated state and federal charity laws. Attorney General Barbara Underwood alleges a pattern of persistent illegal conduct over more than a decade that includes extensive unlawful political coordination with the Trump presidential campaign. Quote, as our investigation reveals, the Trump Foundation was little more than a checkbook for payments from Mr. Trump or his business to nonprofits, regardless of their purpose or legality, Underwood said. The suit alleges that the Trump Foundation engaged in repeated and willful self-dealing transactions to benefit Mr. Trump's personal and business interests. The suit contends that the Trump Foundation used the tax-deductible donations in at least five instances that benefit Trump or businesses he controls. Trump has denied all of this and suggested it's nothing but a political attack. Do we agree? What are we we thinking here? Possibly. Possibly? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I mean, we we were kind of talking about it before we started uh, again. I realistically, most of the allegations I would imagine are pretty true. Yeah. I, I can't really, I can't envision a scenario where they're not. Having said that, in the political climate that we are right now, you have to be very careful about who you attack because they will undoubtedly retaliate very very quickly. Which I can easily see this turning into. Something related to the Clinton Foundation or the Clinton Initiative or something like that, where there is some aberrant investigation related to or, or in the same vein that this investigation uh, is. Again, I I don't I don't really think we're going to see anything out of this. I, I, no indictments or I I, I don't I, I don't know. I, I I think this is it's it seems very political in how do I phrase this there's no real reason to do it except to get the point out prior to the midterms sure. cuz i don't think there are going to be any sort of um why can't I think of the? My words are just escaping me tonight. Yeah. The consequences would be. Thank
1: you. The consequences would be. I'm sweating now. <laughs> so high. Oh, my God. <laughs> it would be. A, no, it's like no. there's no jail with this. Right. It'd be a fine, a couple million dollar fine or something. And then I think they would ban Trump from, you know, ever running charities again. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's more of a, a slap on the wrist in terms of like you cheated. You've got to pay some back fines. Then what's the point? Well, well, it's to say that you can't do this, right? That that he was engaging in charitable conduct that was not charitable. And I think you're right, Nick. The evidence seems pretty overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But he's created a climate where everybody is so partisan that now he's lowered the bar. Where I think right. everybody's just going to say, oh yeah, this is party politics. Where it's it's clear they cheated. That's right. They, they just they just cheated.
3: But yeah. was it party politics when they were investigating the Clinton Foundation? So when the Clinton Foundation was under investigation for similar. Eh, not quite this, but
1: mild cheating. Mild yeah. cheating. Yeah. More
3: about Secretary Clinton's role and how that was playing out. Right? They, they're cheaters too. they're che- yeah. cheaters too. Was that politically motivated? Would you have given the same reaction? Okay, I just wanted to make sure that <laughs> your reaction is not just no. Like, I, I have no, no compunctions about moti- calling
2: them out on their bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it, okay. it's absolutely politically it motivated. Was
3: politically motivated. Then, of as course. Well.
2: Yeah. Regardless, everybody is cheating, so everybody should be held accountable. But nobody is held accountable. Yeah. So we know what you're doing. I just either do something about it and level the playing field sure. or just stop with the bullshit. This this does nothing besides create more partisan issues that people are... It's going to push Republicans farther right and it's certainly going to push Democrats farther left in this
1: particular situation. I think it does reveal to some... I think we all have a sense that Trump Trump's business was not... The way he runs business is not always legit. Like he, do, you know, he does behind. What are you talking about? What? <laughs> this is insane. The first, I've ever
3: heard of this. So, so
1: now we see with his charitable foundation that he engages in similar practices. He doesn't follow the rules. He, you know, he bought a ten thousand dollar painting of himself and put it in a golf club and used the charitable fund. And these are the kind of things that Trump has done, and it suggests that he probably hasn't changed any kind of behavior in the Oval Office, you know, and that is disturbing. At yes. the yes. minimum, but yeah. it also
3: isn't surprising because we knew this about him when he was elected. Right. right. So I don't necessarily agree with Nick where it's like, what's the point? Because if you're a Fine. cheating cheater, <laughs> hold on, what is it called? Of cheatery. A cheating cheater of cheatery, yes. you should be held accountable for it regardless of whether you're the president or not. But since mm-hmm. you can't be indicted, right. then the best we can do is say like you can't run a charitable foundation in New York anymore and pay a bunch of fines and a million dollars or however many is like the money you find in your jeans right. right i mean that's not a lot for them it's a slap on the wrist but i think that it's a point that should be made regardless sure yeah they i agree that they're corrupt yeah. yeah yeah
1: what is eric doing right now eric is like what what did i what, i signed what <laughs> I told him to go for a walk.
0: He <laughs> never
3: came back. He, he couldn't find his back. way home. I'm not saying anything
2: anymore. He <laughs> well, didn't put the
1: leash on. It right. just uh, it's like just the backpack with the
3: harness <laughs> with the leash.
1: The, the one thing I will say about, you know, the it's easy to, to make partisan arguments about a lot of things. But in some ways, this is just evidence, right? It's its out there. He, they have the, the document, the report suggests this is what he did. And, and when you look at it, you say, like, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to pay off you know, lawsuits with your charitable foundations. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just a no-brainer. And so they did this multiple different times. And I, I'm sure he's not the only one that does this. I'm sure this is something that in this in the business world and probably in the political world happens all the time. But it you're not the exposed. president. Right, right exactly. Mm-hmm. And
3: your three adult children who are now running your businesses because you're yeah. not doing it anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, they all need to be held accountable. I agree.
2: But, I mean, realistically, what does this change in the end? It changes... Hope-
3: Hopefully it changes the way that they run their foundation. I, really know. I mean, I said, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> It exposes. Wide-eyed optimism.
1: <laughs> it exposes another way in which he's corrupt, and so maybe that's like, that's the thing. It's just it's another drop in the bucket. Yeah. Like I, I,
2: right. I but don't those like,
3: drops pile up at some point? Not, not right with now. him. No, no they it's just drilled, crazy. they just
2: drilled a hole
1: in the bottom. We're good to go oh, for that's yeah. That's true. <laughs> and again, his his conduct is I, that's the other thing about An this. Hole. For for <laughs> that's right. For for a day and a half, this was a story. And nobody's talking right. about it. Nobody anymore. gives a shit. I was even thinking about like, well, this was only like three days ago. It was a big deal. Yeah. Should yeah. we even
3: talk about it? No. Yeah. no. Why I did now... you
1: put this on the outline? Well, this is dumb. We, we only have four and then this was a, <laughs> we needed another one. I, yeah, because that's... we can't
3: talk about migrant children being ripped from their families. We should <laughs> talk right. about cheating, cheaters, and cheating. <laughs> cheatery, yes. <laughs>
1: no, I yeah, I I
2: wish something would come out of this if for no other reason than to hold people like this accountable. Right. Right. But I I, we're not going to see it. I wish we would. Yeah. We're just not going to see it. and that's not a good to continue to perpetuate that kind of behavior at this level of influence and especially at this level of government is just it's ridiculous. yeah I, I, I don't know. everybody true. should be strong up.
3: Oh, that's an analogy you
1: don't need. Speaking of which, let's talk about Kim Jong-un. Oh! (laughs) That was another good transition. (laughs) All right, so last week we talked about the nice things that Trump had to say about Kim Jong-un. Well, he continued, yes, I know, he continued the practice this week. Best of friends. Leaders of democratic (laughs) regimes will sometimes restrain from criticizing an authoritarian leader for economic or security interests or reasons. Yet Trump's praise seems to be of a different kind. In one interview, he described Kim as a great personality. He's a funny guy. He's very smart. He told Brett Baer of Fox News, quote, when you take over a country, a tough country, uh, tough people, you take it over from your father. I don't care who you are, what you are, how much of an advantage you have. If you can do that at 27 years old, I mean, that's one in 10,000 that could do that. He's he's special. <laughs> when Baer noted that Kim in prisons, torture, and cloth kills cloth. his own people, Trump replied, yeah, but so have other people done some really bad things. I could go through a whole lot of nations who that have done bad things. Friday morning in an interview with Fox and Friends, Trump stated, "Quote: He's the head of a country. I mean, he's the strong head. He speaks, and his people sit up in attention. I want my people to do the same." Oh, that's a good one, Nick. <laughs> Uh, the president later said he was kidding and that reporters don't understand sarcasm. It may be true that reporters don't understand sarcasm, but it is also possible that President Trump might be a little envious of Mr. Kim's authoritarian ways. Nick, you're our resident expert on all things sarcasm. It's true. Is Trump being sarcastic? Or is he in love? I like how I get thrown that one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I get the real stuff. And you get the sarcastic
3: doesn't, one.
1: Doesn't your Twitter handle say, like, sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm? Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah. Politics,
2: you, something else. Sarcasm. You have a PhD in sarcasm. That's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 Um. It's it's just dumb. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> like, it's... it's I, again, We talk about optics so much, and it's just ridiculous that you don't understand what's going to happen when you say something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, um... I, I mean, you know... I, Realistically, if he's not being sarcastic, you know what he's saying. He, you know, wants people to not leak shit and for people sure. to respect the office and not question him on everything. And you can't really do that with everything that's going on, obviously. Um, I just, I, it's, there's just so much fodder with the North Korea thing that yeah. he just continues to feed into this machine. It's insane.
1: There was an article in the Washington Post last But he's going to. And the Korean War. So it's it's okay. it's, it's, oh, it's done. The threat it's done. Is gone. It's already, it's already been, it. yeah. 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 So the article last week said that when they were in North Korea for this, for this or no, they Singapore. were in Singapore, he was watching North Korean TV. I don't know how he got a chance. I don't know how he was watching North Korean TV, but at some point he was watching North Korean TV, and one of the news reporters was so pro-Kim Jong-un and Trump had this reaction like do you see this this is what we should have <laughs> right, you know i mean so i think on I some know, level, Fox, Fox news was in north. singapore right. <laughs> <laughs> right so i think they're i think you're right nick that on some level he just doesn't get it but there there has to be something deeper where he really he wants his people to sit up and you know trump does and to, to behave the way the north koreans do mm-hmm. which is not not good
3: well cuz it's not just his people like his people in the white house right. and his this is like the people of America be, need to become like the people of North Korea his where people, they defer right, yeah. right they defer wholly and solely to the supreme leader right and he can do whatever he wants and he can say whatever he wants and he can make whatever policies he wants congress ceases to exist the court all of it it's like no more institutions no more checks and balances no more legitimate opposition yeah this is the it the quote encapsulates Trump. It's the Trump doctrine. That's quote is the Trump doctrine. That's
1: right, because he says he speaks and his people sit up in attention. I want my people to do the same. I mean, there's a the the my people thing is troubling for me. Absolutely. You know, it's it's not his people, right? He is he is supposed to be the representative of the people, but they're not his people in the way that the North Koreans are clearly Kim Jong un's people, right? right? There's a difference between a totalitarian system and a democracy.
3: The government he doesn't want the government to belong to the people. He wants the government to belong to him. Yeah,
1: right. and that should bother us a lot that he doesn't get that distinction. I understand he's he's not a career politician, but um, the fact that this is appealing to him, and I'm not I'm not suggesting that he wants to be Kim Jong Un, yeah. but that he looks envious. <laughs> At the way in which, you know, like, this is, you know, it's so much easier for Kim Jong-un. He can just do things and people respond.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's his dream. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that Trump would love to wake up in the morning and, like, turn on the news and it's just Fox? Yeah. And everybody, there's no one picketing outside the White House and his approval rating is 100%. And and, and, and everybody loves him even though he treats them like shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's right. his
1: dream. Yeah. And I think... I think all presidents don't like the fact that democracy is hard and ugly and problematic. They would they would prefer it to be easier. But I don't think any of them would want North Korea in the way that Trump would be like, no, that's better.
3: Right. Because don't you think the way he talked about he said he's a good negotiator, he's a talented guy, he's got a good personality. He's He's basically right. He's saying like, oh, he's just like me.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I am. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, we have to be careful because we don't want to go too far, Nick. Well, right? No, I, I don't know like, though, Ke- I think we can. Yeah. I, this is the thing. Like we talk about his mindset all the time. If he's, you know, a, a, a strategist and he's actually thinking about these things, or if it's very. It and it's one dimensional, right. and he's just going. Ah, that looks kind of cool. It looks real easy. I really like a hundred percent approval rating. That sounds nice. <laughs> uh, I right. it just, I, I'm not sure the depth of what he actually thinks. I isn't think, that
3: still so problematic when I'm he's not, oh, a I'm democracy? I'm not saying it's not problematic okay, just by sure. any means. Yeah. but
2: r- yeah, I, I, I think we look into things because realistically, he's not going to do anything about it. Nothing's going to happen with this. It's just another one of those things that he says and. You know, we get up in arms about it, and you know, then we still have institutions and parties and functioning democratic government, and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. in the end, really mean anything. It's a problem that he Mm -hmm. absolutely that he thinks that he has that mindset, but.
3: But do you not think that he uses the weight of the office to chip away at all of those checks and balances in order to get himself closer to what Kim Jong Un has? I
2: think it's possible, but I I mean, regardless, even. My experience with the federal government and being in D.C. specifically long prior to this administration, people have that veneration for people in those positions regardless. And they shouldn't have that. Right. I was at a a, a function with Nancy Pelosi. She walked in. You thought the pope had come in. (laughs) People were, you know, hands crossed, very quiet. Everybody shut up and just listen to her talk. And you know that they, regardless of what position they're in, what political party they're aligned with. They like that type of admiration and that, yeah, the the deference to their position and right, their authority. Right. The fact that he's saying it, that's just who he is. <laughs> Realistically, I, I kind of prefer that we know that as opposed to someone who's... Not that I prefer him in this particular office or position, but I... We know what he is, yeah. which I don't really mind because it keeps his podcast.
1: Going. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah I, what I,
3: happens I, if he's not president in 2021? No,
1: we've Close the podcast. No, we're yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, we're done. <laughs> um, but yeah. but I, that's your point, Nick. The idea, thinking about the comparison to like the British prime minister versus the We hold the U.S. presidency up to be some imperial office right? right? Mm-hmm. in the way that in, in the United Kingdom. They attack the Prime Minister. It's brutal. You watch parliamentary session. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. You are certainly in a position of power, but you don't get any benefits from that Mm -hmm. in the way that... In the United States, our politicians are so often untouchable, and it and wasn't always that way. No, you're right. That's not a great all. point. Not yeah. at
3: all. Not until Wilson, and really until Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah, you no, know, that's right. It elevates that office. At the, the president was sort of the second fiddle to Congress. Yeah, 100%. it's been a,
1: and, and that's a good point to think about. It's this is not we we blame Trump a lot, but oh. this is something that's been a slow process Absolutely. where. You know, uh, George W. Bush, Obama, yes. it's been growing in a way mm-hmm. where that ultimately culminates in but Trump. But they
3: still spoke about the protection of democratic yes. norms yes. and of That's opposition right. and of dialogue and pluralism in ways that we're hearing this president speak in the exact opposite manner. You had
1: presidents increasing their power, but... Still having some restraint, yes. and then finally you got a president who said, "No, Fuck I'm just all. going to use this power, and I'm not concerned about norms or restraint." I,
2: again, it's been a slow process. Yeah. It's then our responsibility to reverse that process. That's right. So That's until 100% that happens, yeah. Power so the, I, power of I, the people, right? Take it back. Hashtag. I, I feel like I learned Doesn't a lot the today.
3: Come first.
2: Yeah. You can hashtag.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Take
3: it back. Hashtag. <laughs> oh.
1: I don't
2: know how to use the twitters. <laughs> the twitters here. Yeah. But if you want to share us on the Twitters, (laughs) that's another good transition. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. follow us on Twitter at Barstool, Paul P O L, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Uh, Beers that we try, you can find on the Untapped app. We're just Barstool Politics on there. Uh, Podcasts, Um, I lost my train of thought. Find uh, us on all the places. All yes. the places: yeah. uh, Stitcher, <laughs> Google Play Music, SoundCloud. Uh, definitely on iTunes. That's where most of you guys are listening. So review us and share us and like us on there. Um, talk to your smart speaker about us. They'll they'll know when you t- say Barstool Politics
1: podcast. I'm gonna do
3: that when I get home. Yeah, I yeah.
1: know. Yep. You That's gotta fair. use. You gotta say play the podcast Barstool Politics. Ah. You gotta make sure you have podcast in there. Otherwise, they think it's a song.
3: Oh, good point.
1: Is there a song? No, but they no, may just go isn't. look oh. for a song. Yeah. Right, they look for a sense. song. But if you say, play the podcast, Bar steal
2: Politics. <laughs> Got Ooh. it. You don't right want up.
3: Alexa to get confused.
2: No. Well, she just needs to not do that. We need to We need to talk to Bezos about that. <laughs> next week. Um, <laughs> we'll be the guest next week.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks, Suzanne. We Thanks. appreciate this you. This is fun.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I love it. Oh, Anything yeah. else?
2: We good? We're good. All right. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers.